Several months ago, my girlfriend Caden and I were uh, spending a day in downtown Montgomery. And we had a friend that, that worked down there. And so we decided to, to go and stop by and, and talk to them for a little bit. And we hadn't gotten to talk to this particular friend in a while, so, uh, so we really had a lot to catch up on. And we spent probably a, a good hour there just talking to our friend about all the latest news, uh, how, how our lives were going. And uh, we began to talk to her about, about her job and everything. And, and the more that we found out, the more that we learned that she had multiple different jobs that she did. Um, she was there, of course, where we were visiting her at the time. But one of the other jobs that she told us about that really interested us was uh, she happened to mention and say, well, I, you know, I work here, but also I am a ghost writer. Now, just to clarify, I'm not saying ghost writer with a D like the, you know, the guy in the movies and everything with the skull for a face that's always on, uh, on fire. Uh, I'm talking about a ghost writer. Uh, but she let me know that that's, that's what also what she did. And we were both very intrigued by, by what she told us. And so we asked, you know, can you explain that a little bit more? Uh, we really didn't understand exactly what she was talking about. And so she proceeded to tell us exactly what she did. And then what she does is she works for a, uh, a politician uh, of some sort in Montgomery. And basically, this person will, uh, will need some kind of letter or some kind of document sent out. And so what our friend's job is, is to, to take that information needed, we'll type everything up, we'll, we'll get everything addressed, we'll put the person's name on it, we'll send it to that politician just to make sure that, that it's exactly what it needs to be. Uh, get that approval, and then we'll, we'll send all of that out to the people that it is intended for. So essentially, what our friend is doing is uh, she has agreed to, to write all of these things for this politician and, and send them out on behalf of that person, while the whole time the people that are receiving those things believe that they are getting that directly from and written directly from that politician. You see, the idea of a, a ghost writer is it's basically the author of a text that is credited to another person. And this actually happens pretty often, and it's in a lot of different forms too. Um, there are different books, there are manuscripts, there are screenplays, there are articles and blog posts. Uh, there are even uh, a lot of different song lyrics and songwriting and even autobiographies that are written by these ghost writers. They are really the authors of these things and they, they do all the writing, they, they get it all done, they, they run it by, of course, the person who is given the credit and then it is sent out on behalf of that person with, with their name stamped onto that having really have not written maybe none of it at all. And so that's really what a, a ghost writer is. And it's, it's used frequently by a lot of different people. Politicians, of course, but also used frequently by celebrities, 
used by, by big executives, sometimes used by authors, uh, also music artists and playwrights. And a lot of times, the reason that these people uh, get these ghost writers for them is because they simply feel like they have no, they don't have the time or the skill or the discipline to, to sit down and really get these things done. But they do have the money. And so they go out and hire these ghost writers to, to write and author these things and, and really then send it out as if it were their own. Now I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, and if you will, go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, instead of focusing on all these other books, I want to focus specifically on the Bible. And we will, of course, kind of come back uh, to this idea of the ghost writing and, and kind of combine these together. Uh, but I want to focus on the Bible, specifically 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, the Bible was authored by roughly about 40 men. And the, the authoring of this has, is believed to be about the span of 1,500 years. And so we, we know this, and, and, and in a sense, we can almost kind of say, uh, and it is very different, and we'll describe that and talk about that a little bit later, but we can almost kind of say that, that these men that authored were a little bit like these ghost writers, now, specifically, I want to look at Second uh, Timothy chapter three, and we're going to read verses sixteen and seventeen together. So, Second Timothy chapter three, beginning with verse sixteen, it says, "All Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every." good work. Now what I want to focus on the most is uh, within this passage is that first phrase that we see that says breathed out by God. Breathed out by God. Now I actually want to look at the, the Greek root word here that is used to describe this breathed out by God. And that word is uh, theopneustos. Uh, I'm probably saying it wrong, but uh, that's the word that's, that's being used here. And this is, actually, uh, this is actually the first time that this specific word is used in Scripture. And I want you to understand what this word is saying when it's being used. Because when it says, breathed out by God, it's not saying that the author's uh, all of these men that wrote these books, it's not saying that they are simply just inspired people, but it's saying that the writings themselves are the spoken words of God. When it's saying that it is breathed out by God, it is saying that God specifically spoke these words. These are the words of God. Now I want to look at another passage as well. If you'll turn to First. Uh, excuse me, Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. And I want to look at verse twenty-one with you. In verse twenty-one reads, "For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit." Now the main focus 
of this passage is really looking at Old Testament prophets. And they're, they're prophesying. Uh, but of course it lets us know that this was not done by their will, but done directly through God. But I believe that this also, along with these Old Testament prophets, it also applies with all Scripture. You see, this, this Word of God that is breathed out by God it is fully the Word of God. And it's recorded through the words of these human beings. By these, these 40 or so authors that, uh, that were the ones that, that put this on paper. And of course, when we look at the Bible, we do see uh, different things. We do see the, the personalities. We see the vocabulary. We see the knowledge and the style of these 40 men. Now we see these men with, with different backgrounds and with, with different stories. But regardless, we understand uh, and we know that it is God-breathed. We understand that it is theopneustos. We understand that, that these things come directly from God. These are the spoken words of God. And of course, we even see that there's a few that, that have no listed author. Uh, or, or there's no author that we can officially confirm to be the writer of uh, one of these books within the Bible. But this allows us to focus even more on God. Because He is the true author of the Word. And because of that, we have no doubt that God is this true author. Because we see all throughout Scripture that it is through God that we have this Word. There is a... Oh, there's te technically, there are two different series of, of books that are very popular and have been around for a very long time. Those two books are, uh, or series of books, are the Nancy Drew series and the Hardy Boys series. Uh, now, the Nancy Drew, of course, uh, is, is a more feminine style uh, following Nancy Drew, and then the other is more directed toward the males, the Hardy Boys. Now, these both began actually in around 1930, uh, maybe even a little bit earlier than then, and they, they released these for about 30 years and then revised them around 1960 and then continued to release more and then revised them again in 1990. Uh, so these are, have been books that, that have been made just tons and tons and tons of different, uh, different volumes or, or books specifically. But there are two authors, uh, one author for each one, that have been credited for all of this. And the author of the Nancy Drew novels or books is Carolyn Keene. Carolyn Keene. And the author of the Hardy Boys books is Franklin W. Dixon. And the interesting thing about these two people is that they were never even real people at all. Uh, these, these are not real people's names. This was not one particular person that, that simply had a pen name and changed it for the sake of the books. There was never one specific person behind either of these names. Carolyn Keene and Franklin Dixon were not real people. It was simply a, a group of many people that wrote under 
this pen name. Uh, they simply used this continuing name so that way all of these books would stay connected. And what these authors did, all these different authors, is whenever it was their time to write one of these books and, and produce it and publish it, they simply used the same template. They used a template that had all of this basic information on the book's characters. They had information on the, the different backgrounds of each character, on the, the tone that they were supposed to use in the writing style. And so they would take these templates and they would simply write the way that Carolyn Keene or Franklin Dixon would normally write a book. And so all the way through this time, from the time that they were uh, produced from the very beginning up until now, there never really was uh, either of those authors. It was simply people that were continuing to mimic uh, that same style. And believe it or not, this, this happens more frequently uh, than you would think. Because what we, what we hear or what we watch or what we read, uh, it might not actually be done by the one that is credited. And in fact, the more research that I did about this, the more that I found out there are actually a lot of people that uh, are credited for work that they really don't even do. But you see, the Bible is very different. Today, authors, uh, whether they have a ghostwriter or not, whether, whether they get someone else to write the book for them or whether they're just writing it for themselves, but these authors today, they, they produce their, their, their art or they write these books or uh, you know, do whatever they're trying to do and get them on the shelves for their own gain. They might be doing it for, for fame, or they might be doing it for the money, or they might just be doing it uh, for, for their own pleasure. But all these authors today, all these artists today, are doing it for themselves. They're doing it for them. But the Bible is different. And the Bible is different because God authored and breathed this collection of books for us. This was not done for him. This was done for us. You see, through the hands of these 40 men, God provided this guide to eternal life for us. God made sure that this was done exactly the way that it needed to be done. He breathed these words into this book. And this book was given to us for us. But you see, he didn't really stop there. There's even more that he did for us. If you will, talk, uh, turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, this is the, the passage that Randy read for us earlier. But we learn something in the first three verses of John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made 
that was made. You see, in the beginning we learned that the Word was God. But a few verses later, in verse 14, we see this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We see that the Word was God, and then the Word became flesh. The Word dwelt among us. The, the Word lived life just like us. And this Word here, as we read in verse 14, this Word is His Son. He sent this Word, He sent His Son to this earth to live as flesh and to dwell among us. And we also learn that not only is this book for us, but we learn what this book is about. And this book is about several different things. But this book is about God. It's about His people. And it's about His Son. You see, this book is about uh, this story about how God created these people and how God uh, watched these people as they turned from Him, watched this nation as they, they left Him, departed from Him. And we also learn that this book is about His Son. It's about the Word that, dwells, um, that dwelt among us and became flesh. But we also learn that this book just isn't about God and His people and His Son. But this is about us. This book is about creating us. This book is about forgiving us and saving us. And of course, it's through His Son that we receive this forgiveness and that we are saved. But we see so many elements of us within the Word of God. And it's about us. It was created for us, for us to have, for us to read, for us to understand and grow from. But it also is about us. And it's about, of course, this people that, that He selected that instead chose everything else but Him. You see, these people, they chose pleasure. They chose other gods. They chose themselves. But he continued this book. And he sent someone for us. He sent his son. He sent the word. And because of all of these things... We know and we understand what this book is. And we know that this book is the truth. A couple verses that I want to look at real quick with you. If you'll turn to Psalm chapter 119. And in Psalm 119, there's one particular verse that really stands out. That's verse 160. 
Psalm 119 verse 160 says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. I want to also look at John chapter 17. And in John chapter 17, we see Jesus and He is speaking here. And He's speaking to the Father. And in verse 17, this is what He tells the Father. He says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, when he says this, when Jesus says this, he says, your word is truth. Truth. He doesn't say, your word is true. He's not saying that, yes, your word is, is true in accordance with these other things. The way he says it is, he says, your word is truth. Your word is the ultimate truth. Through all of this, through the entire word, through all of these books that these 40 or so men have written throughout the span of 1,500 or so years, we see so much that God has told us, that God has breathed out for us. And oftentimes, many people believe in Him, but maybe they don't believe in the entirety of the Word. They don't believe that this entire book is truth. But you see, if we believe in Him, we believe in this book. If we believe that He is our God, then we believe that this book is truth. We don't have this idea that uh, that these 40 men got something wrong at some point within this book. That as they were authoring these things, as they were writing these things, they, they decided to put their own words into the book. That they just decided to maybe say things the way they wanted to and maybe put some things that weren't inspired in here. We see that this book from beginning to end we see that this book is the truth. So why do, I, why do I say all of these things? Why do I talk about this idea of, of the Bible being the truth? Well, I want to ask you these two questions based on this idea. Because if we believe in Him, then we believe in this book. And we allow this book to take uh, a great responsibility and a great prevalence in our lives. But, I ask you this, do you live as if this book is truth? 
not as if this book is true, but if this book is truth. As if this book is the truth. Is this a book that you live by? Do you take all of the words from this book and live your life in a way that reflects this truth? Do you believe every word that this book says? And finally, are you showing the world that you live by the Bible? Are you showing other people that this is the book that you live by because this word is truth? I think it's very easy for us sometimes to to decide that, that we can believe in God, but we don't actually have to, to follow His Word. Because maybe it's, maybe it's not entirely through Him. Maybe it's not entirely correct. But we know that it is. We know that there is no, really, there's no ghost writer. Uh, it is not simply... 40 men who wrote this book and decided to say, you know what, we'll credit this to God even though we really wrote it. That's not what this book is. This book is breathed out by God. These are the spoken words of God. So are you showing the world that you live by that same book? Maybe right now you're, you're living your life like God is who He says He is, but that the Bible's not what it is. Maybe you're living your life and you're not really adhering to those things that we learn. Those things that we continue to learn every week as we spend time here together. Or maybe uh, you've never decided to, to become a part of the church. Maybe you haven't decided to, to do what we are commanded, to do the things that, that we're supposed to do and become a part of His church. To realize that, that we're not living the way that we are. To, to repent of the sins that we've committed. To confess His name and to be baptized in the name of His Son, the Word. If there is anything that we can do for you this morning, we ask that you will come forward now as we stand and as we sing.